Well, if you have your Bible, please turn with me to John chapter 8. John chapter 8, we're reading verses uh, 12 and then jumping to verses 21 to 30. Uh, It will also be projected on your screen. Now friends, wherever you are worshiping, would you stand with me? And we stand as our act of worship as we read and receive God's holy word given and spoken to us. John chapter 8, verse 12 and then verses 21 to 30. Friends, hear now the reading of God's inerrant and inspired word. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Verse 21. So he said to them again, I am going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin. Where I'm going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, will he kill himself since he says where I'm going, you cannot come? He said to them, you are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So they said to him, Who are you? Jesus said to them, Just what I have been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true. And I declare to the world what I have heard from him. They did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And He who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to Him. As He was saying these things, many believed in Him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Uh, Well, I have the privilege this morning of inviting, again, our guest preacher to this pulpit to preach and proclaim God's word to us. Uh, His name is Walton Lee, and he serves as one of the pastors at Eternal Life Ministry uh, in Horsham. Uh, Walton is married to his wonderful and beautiful wife, Gloria, who we uh, found out yesterday he proposed to at a well, uh, not because she was like the scandalous Samaritan woman, uh, but because she was like Rebecca. And if you remember, Rebecca was too good for Isaac. (laughs) Just kidding, Walton. Uh, No, but they have two wonderful, adorable boys, Timmy and JJ. Um, Walt mentioned this yesterday that I've known him for over a decade, first as his college pastor, uh, then a friend and uh, student together at Westminster Seminary, uh, and now as a co-laborer in the gospel of Jesus Christ as we labor to serve the greater Philadelphia area for God's glory. He is a man I respect and I trust to preach God's word, which is why I'm delighted to have him come. And if you joined us yesterday for the well in those two sessions, by the Spirit's help, he has already shown us magnificently Christ uh, twice yesterday. Um, And so I will repeat to Walton the words that he shared with us, what uh, the disciples said to Jesus in John 6. uh, Do it again. Do it again, brother. Come and show us Jesus. So friends, wherever you are, would you give him a round, uh, a welcome as he comes and preaches God's word to us. Um, Again, I am really blessed to be here to come and preach. Um, I was sharing with someone earlier, um, Cornerstone, I've uh, always known it as the EM at Zion when I was a youth group student. I attended there for about a year uh, and still remember the friends and the times I had where the Lord blessed me. But, you know, I've always wanted to come and worship with you guys like I shared. 
And, you know, when you're a fellow pastor, you just can't just take a Sunday off and say, hey, I want to go worship at, you know, one of my friend's church. They just, you know, relocated and there's a lot of great things happening. But uh, thank you, Pastor Andrew, for inviting me. Yes, he was my college pastor for some time and uh, a brother in seminary and even a, a dear friend now. Um, I am humbled and I still am frightened to share the pulpit with him. In seminary, there, uh, there goes a legend uh, that Pastor Andrew, in his preaching class, preached the sermon, and the preaching professor at the time, John Curry, came up to him after and said, Drew, walk with me. And when I heard that story, uh, his other friend Dave is telling me this story, and you know, John Curry says to Pastor Andrew, says, Drew, walk with me. And I, I said, what are you, to the bathroom? Like, in life? I was like, oh my goodness, this sermon was so good that the preaching professor said, walk with me. And ever since then, I try to tell about that legend as much as I can. And so, brothers and sisters, friends who attend this church, I hope you deeply love and appreciate your pastor, not just because he's a gifted preacher, which he is, but because he loves the Lord and he loves you guys so much. So thank you so much for allowing me to come and uh, preach Christ once more this morning. So let me pray briefly, and then we can get into the Word together. Father God, show us our sin and show us our Savior. We thirst for the living water. We hunger for the bread of life. And Lord, we ask that you would open our eyes to the light of the world. And we pray this in his name. Amen. Amen. In our text today, we find Jesus in a particular context. If you look in the previous chapter, uh, something called the Feast of Booths, uh, is taking place, and it's basically a fall festival. It took place every year, and it's a time where all the people of God, they remember the wilderness journey from Egypt to Canaan. And so they live in these booths or tents, temporary housing. It's a time where you can unplug the whole family, go out into the wilderness, and remember the important things of life. Can you imagine doing that with your family right now? Many of you, I'm sure, spending the time of quarantine with your children all day are saying, that is the last thing I want to do. And so it's in this time, it's during the Feast of Booths, where we see the people of God are now camping, so to speak, outside and going through many different rituals and things to remember how God was with them and their fathers before them throughout all the generations. And they are here to ultimately remember how God has freed them out of slavery and into freedom. Again, many rituals took place during this festival. What I want to draw our attention to is this uh, lighting of the torch. They had four massively tall pillars, and on the top of the pillar, there was a golden bowl, and they would send a young, vibrant, healthy priest to climb up that ladder with 17 gallons of oil poured in there and lighted. And so you can imagine your uh, pastoral intern 
Dan Hong, after he's eaten his eighth plate with the food overflowing, or perhaps even Steve Kim, and uh, I'm sure you guys have better looking and more healthy young men here, but I just like to pick on them because I know that you can imagine these guys climbing up the ladder, 17 gallons of oil, and they go up there and they pour it in and they light the torch and it just shines this magnificent radiance and light. And it's not just something to kick off the festival. It's not just so something uh, that the people have, they can talk and hang out all night. But these lights actually reminded, it was supposed to remind the people of God who are out there now experiencing wilderness, that just as that pillar of light is there, God was with their people through light, through fire, to protect and to show that his presence was very present. I thought I was going to be able to pick up a word there, but I couldn't. That, that that light represented that God's protection and his presence were with his people. And so it's in this context that, that Jesus stands up with these pillars of light that everyone is seeing, and they're supposed to remember, ah, that reminds me of how God saved our people. And Jesus stands up, again, with the light shining, and he utters, I am the light of the world. Verse 12, Who, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And for us, if we've heard sermons on this passage, or we know that Jesus is the light of the world and we've sang it, it might not seem shocking to us, but in this context, a man standing up in this scenario saying, I am the light of the world, he's making a huge claim. He is saying that I am God. I am the Messiah. And so today's gospel message is that Jesus is the light who leads to life. It's basically verse 12 broken down. Jesus is the light who leads to life. And so we'll look at the light, the leader, and the life. First point, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Surrounded by the great lights of the feast, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Jesus often speaks in uh, metaphors so that we can put a handle on something or a concept that's tough to grasp. And just as he says, I am the bread of life, he's not talking about literal bread, He's talking about something that sustains us to eternal life. Just as he said that I am the living water, he's not talking about something that's deep in a well. He's talking about something that wells up inside of us into eternal life. Today he says, I am the light of the world that shines in darkness. I am the light. And so I want to give us a couple examples from the Bible on what, what the relevance and the importance and the weight of this, this metaphorical usage of light is. We'll go through it quickly. Uh, Exodus 3, if you remember, Moses meets God at the burning bush. He, he is there. God's presence is there through fire and through light. Exodus 13, God is with his people in the wilderness through a pillar of fire. This fire not only kept the people warm throughout the night so that they would know that they are not alone and God's presence was there, but this fire also separated them and their enemies and offered protection. Exodus 34, when Moses meets with God, 
His face shines God's glory. So much so that he has to cover it because people can't take the light that is just radiating from Moses' face that he, that he, he has now because he has, he has spoken and met with God. In John chapter 1, the word became flesh, dealt among us, and we have seen his glory. Revelations 21, when everything fades away and the new heavens and the new earth come down. We're told that there is no need for sun or moon because Jesus, the Son of God, will be the light. And so what is the significance of light? It means that the presence of God and the protection of God is now present in flesh through Jesus for all those who see him and would come to him. We see through light and fire and radiance and glory, we see that Jesus is not just a prophet or he's not just trying to use theophanic language or even a symbolic representation. He's saying, I myself am the light of the world, the light of God, the, the very presence of God and the one who can protect you in this wilderness and in this darkness. The creator God has entered his creation to guide his people, to guide you and I in this present wilderness. As the people of God here in the Feast of Booths are remembering the time in the wilderness right now, we are to be reminded that in our time of wilderness, as we are awaiting to go to the promised land, that Christ comes and offers himself and reminds us and reveals himself as the light, the one who is with us and the one who will protect us. And I want to, uh, maybe it's not needed here, but, but just a little corrective, because a lot, a lot of times when we talk about struggling, we use this phrase, you know, in this season of wilderness, you know, I'm going through a time, a short time of wilderness, or I'm experiencing a wilderness difficulty. And, and we, we imagine that wilderness is a, a particular moment or experience. We think that wilderness is something that we experience in, in just a, a event or a circumstance. But the reality is, as the book of Hebrews will remind us, is that we, you and I, as, as, as people, we're not, we don't live in good times and then in the hard times oh, we were lost in the wilderness, but we're reminded that actually we are a wilderness people, that all of life right now, no matter how good it may seem at times, is wilderness. Wilderness is not simply the time you experience hardships. You experience hardships because you are always in wilderness. And that's why in 1 Peter 4, perhaps he says, Behold, do not be surprised at the fiery trials when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening. We, we need to have this type of shift because, because the reason we get so upset and discouraged and hopeless and, and, and brought down and, and, and doubting our faith is because we think the norm of our existence and function here in this world should be peaceful, should be lovely, should be restful. And, and that's why when something bad happens, we're saying, what's going on? It should be the other way around. The reality and the way we perceive life around us should be of wilderness. And when something good happens, we should say, 
wow, the Lord has really blessed us and provided for us in this time. Yesterday was a time in wilderness. Today is a time in wilderness. Tomorrow is a time in wilderness. You and I are in a wilderness context until Christ brings heaven down. And so if, 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 there, if that shift happens and the reality and, 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 and the, the lightning of, you know what, every day is a day in wilderness, then it's, it's no surprise that, that you are so thirsty. It's no surprise that you are so hungry. It's no surprise that you are so scared in darkness. And it's no surprise then that the Savior of the world would come to us and say, Are you thirsty? I will give you living water. Are you hungry? I will give you the bread of life. Are you scared and afraid in this darkness, in this wilderness? I will be the light. I will be the one where you will know that God is with you. I will be the one that protects you just like God protected and was with his people in the Old Testament in the times of Moses when all those amazing, miraculous things happened. Jesus says, in me, you have God and you have God's protection. Light of the world, you step down into darkness. Open my eyes and let me see. Isn't this why we call Jesus Emmanuel or God with us? He is the light of God. He is the light of God who is now the light of this dark world. And what does he say? I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. So the light is also the leader, which gets us to our second point, the leader. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. In verse 24, he goes on, he says, I told you that you would die in your sins. And here he's referring to sin in, in a general understanding as unbelief, not particular sin, but a general sin of not believing in him as the Messiah. He's saying, I'm telling you people that you will die in your sin of unbelief unless you believe that I am he. When the Samaritan woman met Jesus and, he, and she said, when the Messiah comes to Christ, he will tell us all things. And Jesus says to her, I am he. I know in the English translation, it's a little different, but I hate to pull the, in the Greek, but in the Greek, in the original language, you see that he says, ego eimi. Not lego my ego, but ego eimi, which means I am he. We're not talking about waffles. Talking about the Savior of the world, right? He says, I am he. So Jesus is saying, I am the light of the world, and whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. And if you don't follow me, and if you do not believe in me, then, then you will die in your sin. Unless you realize and you can see that I am he. And he's using this phrase, and a lot of times I think we, we attribute it to when, God, when Jesus says, I am he, he's referring to God who is the I am, and there is truth in that, and I think there's, there's, there's uh, enough evidence for that, but I think it, it, it'd be a little bit more appropriate to understand I am he in light of Isaiah 43, and this is what God tells Israel in Isaiah 43. He says, he says for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. 
And so when Jesus uses the, the phrase, I am he, he's not just saying that I am the I am, the great Yahweh God in the flesh, but he's saying that not, not just as a distant creator and God of the universe, but when he says I am he, he's very particular in, in his, in his uh, specification of his identity, he's saying that I am the Savior, the Holy One of Israel, the Lord your God, And if you believe me and understand that I am that Savior that was prophesied about, then you will have life. Then you will have living water, bread of life, and light to guide you in your dark wilderness. The people of God need a Savior. You and I need a Savior. Ever since sin entered the world, we see all kinds of brokenness. And it's because it's wilderness All throughout the Bible, we see when sin has entered, darkness, brokenness. In our lives, we experience brokenness, darkness. In the world around us, we see brokenness and darkness. And we see the need for a Savior. And Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. I am he. We're crying out for the light of the world. In light of all the racism and injustice and brokenness. Because we know at the core of it, it's sin. At the core of all the things that are broken in the world, all the things you and I experience, all of our brokenness, is a result of sin. It's, it's sin. And so if, 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 if you have been following the news lately and if you have been just wrenched with brokenness and, 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 and hopelessness, then pray to the Lord and ask that the world will see Jesus, the light of the world, so that whoever follows him will not walk in darkness. And pray that the Lord will bring justice and light in this time of darkness. But I also want to address those of you guys personally, because I, 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 I understand pastorally that there is that that in your life there is more than just current events that are going on. That in your in your daily living. You're experiencing not just the things you see in the news, but also loved ones who are getting sick and dying. That in your daily struggle that you are still struggling with depression. That you are still struggling with lust. That you are still struggling with anger. That you are still struggling with deep anxiety about the future. And so I don't want to neglect that aspect and experience of brokenness and darkness. Because even to that Christ says, follow me. I will guide you. I am the light. He is the one that can lead us out into, in, from every type of darkness and every darkness itself. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but what? But will have the light of life. Our final point, the light of life. Verse 28, Jesus says to the Pharisees, 
when you have lifted the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He. When you have lifted the Son of Man on the cross, crucified for the sins of the world, then you will know that I am the Savior of not just Israel, but of the world. Pay attention to that word lifted. It's used often in the book of John. In John 3, Jesus tells Nicodemus, Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in Him and looks to Him may have eternal life. And I touched upon this yesterday, and, and I was probably not as clear, and I want to be a little bit clearer. If, if, if we look back in Numbers 21, we see that the people of God was grumbling. And so in their grumbling and their turning from the Lord, the Lord uh, allowed uh, these snakes to come and bite and poison these people so that they would turn back to Him. And, and so people were dying, and, and it was leading to a repentance. And the people cried out to Moses, and said, Moses, would you do something? So God told Moses, take a fiery serpent, set it on a pole, and everyone who is bitten when they see it shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on a pole and lifted it up, right? So that everyone who was bit by the serpent can look at it and find life. And what Jesus is saying, just like that, everyone who looks at the Son of Man that was lifted up, if they look to him as their savior, then they will have life. But it's not just the savior that gets lifted up, but through the savior, he says, all who believe in him, he will raise up on the last day. He gave his life to be raised up to death. So that death, so we who are dead, would be raised up to life. Pfft, missed a powerful moment there because I couldn't even read my manuscript. But you get the idea. The Lord Jesus gave his life so that we who are dead would be raised up to life in him. He entered the darkness of death and the grave so that you and I could walk in the light. Jesus, the Son of God, God the Son, did not count equality with God, something to be selfishly grasped, but he humbled himself. He put on flesh, was obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And then he was raised on the third day, and then he was ascended and now seated at the right hand of God from there where he will come and return to the world where every knee will bow and tongue will confess that he is the Lord of life. This is why Jesus is the light of life. He is the source of life. He is the light that imparts life, that produces life. He is the life-giving light, the light-giving radiance. If light indeed represents God's presence, he is saying that he is the very presence of God that gives to you life because life finds its source and its origin in him. Jesus is the light of the world that leads to life. The light that is given to us finds its source in Christ who is the author of life. In Acts 3.15, And you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. What are some implications and, and applications that we can take away from seeing Christ today as the light of the world? Philippians 2.14.16 
you are the light of the world now as you are in Christ. We're exhorted by the Apostle Paul, do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life. The beauty is that now you shine God's light, you shine Christ's light as recipients of the light of life. You go forth shining Christ's light so that others may see and come to him. You say, follow me as I follow Christ. This little light of mine, right? I'm going to let it shine. In 1 Peter 3.15, we're exhorted, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for your hope. Why are you so hopeful in this time of wilderness when there's brokenness and darkness and injustice all around us? Why is it that you as a Christian still insist that Jesus is the answer, that going to the Lord in prayer has any effect? Why is it that you say, come to church then and read the Bible and hear and come and see Christ when there's so much that needs to be done in our broken world? There's so much that I have to do to try to fix and improve myself and my circumstances. Well, it's because I believe that Jesus is the light of the world. It's because I believe that all who follow him won't walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus is the light of the world, the very presence and, and, and protection of God. Jesus is the leader who tells us to follow him, and we will not walk in darkness. And Jesus is the giver of life because he is the author of life. Jesus is the light who leads to life. And so let me leave you with the same thing the Samaritan woman said. Upon receiving the living water, she went to the people, a broken people. She said, come see a man. Come see a man. Come behold the wondrous mystery, Christ the Lord upon a tree. In the stead of ruin, sinners hanged, lamb in victory. See the price of our redemption. See the Father's plan unfold, bringing many sons to glory, grace unmeasured, love untold. Join me in prayer.